So we're looking at how can we make a social difference? Well, that's obvious. It's huge. There's such a demand. There's not enough rentals. Vacancy rates are at all-time low. People can't afford to live close to where their work environments are. There's a need, there's a market, there's a demand. Our job is to produce the lowest cost product at the best quality we can absolutely do with a triple bottom line outcome. Hello and welcome to the Revolve Commercial Show. In this show, we take a deep dive into commercial property, conversations with experts in the field, education in commercial real estate, and I share examples of case studies of how to master good commercial acquisitions. My name is Mish Daniel, and I'm the founder of Revolve Commercial, where wealth revolves around you. We've worked with thousands of commercial property owners and have been best known for helping our clients to build wealth, earn great cash flow on autopilot through commercial real estate. If you're interested in speaking with our team to see how we can help you to get your wealth to revolve around you, go to revolvecommercial.com.au. We laugh at ourselves a lot, Simon. Oh, yeah, well, there's a lot to laugh at. There's a lot to laugh at, Mish. <laughs> Such is life. If you're not having fun doing what you're doing, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And, you know, and I think you get to an age where you're like, you don't need to be sort of seen as being so serious all the time because you've had a bit of life and you've, you know, you've experienced things. And when you're talking to people about, you know, things that they know and you know, we've all experienced virtually all the same things with money, with family, with friends, with marriages. So it's, that's a good thing about getting old. <laughs> yes, it is. And it comes with a little bit of wisdom as well, doesn't it? Apparently, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I won't be the judge of that. Other people need to be the judge of that for me. <laughs> but no, hey, listen, no, I, no, I definitely feel it when I'm talking to people and, and we're, you know, we're discussing things. I mean, we've got this party on board, you know, that I told you about. Yeah. And, you know, like you don't, you don't get people like that at that level, you know, ex-Stockland corporate operators with a lot of money behind them as well you don't get those sorts of people joining your business unless they really see something in your business and in your opportunities because there's tons of opportunities out there quite frankly there's no shortage of opportunities if you know what you're looking for our job is to do that many people don't know what they look like but i see them every day yeah well when you talk about opportunities what are you talking about opportunities in real estate property opportunities or opportunities money opportunities lenders partners what sort of opportunities you talk well we're, as you know we've seen it in the real estate business i've done it for over 35 years in two countries all i've ever thought about is real estate deals and opportunities i mean i see a lot of opportunity in artificial intelligence technology like real estate technology is big and so i mean you should know that for example we're working towards using modular design and modular housing construction methods modern construction methods which is all the go i was just talking to a party that's pricing uh, one of our jobs up in Toowoomba, uh, that really exciting one up in up, up opposite the Wilsonton Shopping Centre, right? In Erin Street. Yep, yep. And it's a beautiful looking building and they the builders that we're talking to. Now, I've got the main contractor I've known up there for 15, 18 years, done business for them, bit real estate for them, helped them out of deals that they've done that they didn't know how to get out of. And they're good, really good quality civil construction, commercial construction guys. And we were just literally having a conversation about a design and construct where the building takes over the, the role of working with the consultants and their consultants to design the building so that you set a budget and you work out what your specifications are with them. Now, they're really excited about the fact we've got a modular housing company also pricing it alongside them. They're pricing it traditionally. 
but it's highly likely we'll end up with a, a blend of then on the head contractor status and the modular supplier supplying the modular housing because the modular guys just want to pump modules out of their factory, you know, 24-7. Yeah, we've met with them and we, we I think there's going to be a lot of good business with these guys. But the advantage is if all parties work together, we've now developed the technology to work as a team and we should be able to cut through a project that might take 12 months and sort of six to seven months. These kind of relationships, they don't just land in your lap, do they? I mean, they're relationships that you really got to build up. These guys are, when I went to Toowoomba, one of the reasons that I wouldn't have gone there would have been that I didn't have a local contractor in my pocket. Yeah. Uh, these guys are trusted parties. I've done business with them over 15 plus years in a multitude of ways. And I know I can pick up the phone to the CEO, managing director, owner of the business and have a straight up conversation with them and know that these guys are going to do the right thing. They're, you know, they're going to be straight with me. We can deal you know, fairly with each other. There's still a contract to be signed and it's got to be done properly. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of value that most people don't appreciate in long, long relationships. And honestly, I take years to build my relationships well in advance of even asking them to do something for me sometimes. Usually I'm doing stuff for them. You know, like these guys I met helping them out of a subdivision. Yeah. And I can be testament of that. I've seen you, you know, just building up these relationships and, you know, and they organically move into areas where you have that reciprocation with them. Need the team, Mish. I mean, you know, builders can get beef money into the scale to the other in terms of quality, in terms of um, finishing, in terms of, you know, honesty and integrity. These guys are local. They, they're going to do the right thing in their local area. And if, if I help them or can help them in any way, and we had a conversation where I've got something that they could be helpful with, again, and I've, and I've done deals that have made them a lot of money over the years, actually. To, and, and I didn't have any financial interest other than, you know, I got a fee for helping them out. And I was happy to do that. I enjoy doing transactions and yeah. putting other developers as well. Well, Simon, the one thing we know about you, you're a mover and a shake hand. You've got your fingers in many, many deals. <laughs> well, well, no, not too many. You've got to be careful not to overdo it. But we definitely have taken a big leap into this affordable housing, which is what we're going to chat about. But I saw at least three or more years ago an opportunity in the market. It's the bottom of the pyramid. You know, you've got the, the top and you've got these big, big developers, corporate developers doing this build to rent model, which is 10 to 20% over the uh, rent market, but they're providing a lot of great facilities and community areas and quality in their designs and and but the rent model is good you know someone's not going to want to have their apartment back this is a rent for life sort of thing right built to yeah. rent yeah we saw where we could add some value to the community really and where we're passionate about adding value is in the bottom end of the pyramid which is where most of the people are and that's the affordable housing part and and honestly when we started in this space there might have been one other party nationwide that we identified that we're actually in it. Now, there's only a few, a handful, because no one's been able to really crack it without being a government handout. And this is a big point of difference for us and why we do, we're doing it for good reasons. I've dealt with Housing New Zealand. I used to build houses for Housing New Zealand. We did some quite large projects with them in Auckland. So I know what it's like dealing with the Minister of Housing and dealing with governments, and, and, they, and politicians can chop and change their minds. All of a sudden, right now, in the last 12 months, you've seen huge interest, media interest, in the affordable housing. Why? Because now the pressure is really on because no one's done anything for decades, 40 years of, you know, 30 years of, of not doing anything, reducing the housing supply, the social housing supply, creating a major problem. And eventually it's opened up and now everyone's scrambling to try and solve it. And it's and now they need to solve it now. It's going to take decades. Just tell us a little bit about the project that you are doing and how you're solving that problem. 
yeah, and that's that's what we're all about. So there's a lot to talk about. I'll try and keep it fairly brief. Essentially, as an organization, we're coming from what you call a triple bottom line perspective, which is social, economic, and environmental benefits. It's virtually an international accounting standard. So if you're a corporation and you you want to be um, impactful then and socially and environmentally and you want to make money and profits for your investors and shareholders and uh, yourselves and you can and do things that are right for the community in terms of cost, that's what a triple bottom line does. So we, we look at everything essentially from that perspective in the supportable space in particular. So we're looking at how can we make a social difference? Well, that's obvious. It's huge. There's such a demand. There's not enough rentals. Vacancy rates are at all-time low. People can't afford to live close to where their work environments are. For example, the one at Logan Home, that's at 1.4 k's from the major shopping center there, you know, the Hyperdark. Huh. Now, people that work in those shops, a lot of times can't actually afford or find accommodation that is commensurate with the incomes that they get. You know, they get like $900 a week or whatever it is as a retail assistant. Where do they live? But, you know, renting a two-bedroom apartment or house townhouse is $450 a week. So then they've got to share with people and, you know, it's really difficult to live at home. So that's how the space that we're in sort of comes about. So we can see that there's huge. Can I ask a question here? You mentioned that they'd be averaging maybe 900 bucks a week that they're earning and their rentals would be about 450 What would the difference be with the accommodation that you're busy building in terms well, of... If you look at the raw room rental, which is in that particular project, right, we've got three sites there. We've just got one with a DA, and that's got rooming accommodation. You basically get a bedroom with a little ensuite to yourself, okay, yep. furnished. You get power. You get high-speed internet, better than the NBN. Believe it or not, you can get private run NBN at one gigabit upload and download. Well, the NBN doesn't. That's 100 gigabit. You're lucky, right? We're going to be providing one gigabit to affordable housing. And we're super excited about doing that because we're going, hey, it doesn't have to be cheap and nasty. We can actually give you better than what you get in your $450 a week apartment. You're going to be attracting a whole lot of gaming freaks in there. <laughs> well, if, you, if you're a gaming freak, yeah, we would have the fastest internet in that area. So, um, yeah, so we've got a deal with a private uh, broadband operator that, that is, you know, nationwide. They're large and, yeah. and we're able to provide it. But they're not throttled. The internet gets throttled by the NBN and managed. These guys are able to open the pipe, if you like, and allow much more water flowing through. So, you know, electric vehicles, we're providing solar power. So all of that sort of stuff. So going back to your rental question, if you take a raw rental out without the power, without the broadband, without the furniture and all that sort of stuff, you're probably down at about 250 a week for that room. Wow. Okay. So then- that's rental. So it's it's really well-priced. Well and you're getting your own unit. But, but I'm, I mean, it's not quite half because the two bedroom might be, you know, 450, that's two bedrooms. Oh, Living with somebody in the house, you know, you've got to organise your rental agreements together. You've got to get along. You know, there's all of that sort That's of stuff. Thing. Who provides the furniture? There's a whole myriad of stuff. And then if you yeah. want to move out, how easy is it? What's the terms of the lease? Who's on the lease? Ours is designed for people to live there as long as they want to, and and we're encouraging them to live to live there. So, so yeah. it's a we never we're not going to one day decide we're selling your, your your little space and sell it off to well, mum and dad want to move back in. Doesn't work. Builds a ranch already about. So there's a need, there's a market, there's a demand. Our job is to produce the lowest cost product at the best quality we can absolutely do with a triple bottom line outcome. And how is the community taking to this concept? I mean, I, I know you're at the elementary stages of site one and two, and as you say, you've, you, you're looking at site three. Is there any kickback 
from the community or a council? How's that all going? Well, there is from the council. They don't <laughs> I don't need to ask the council question. <laughs> like if we started on the council, they've cost us, that cost us a bomb. The rent's probably about $30 a week more than it needed to be if we'd done it when we wanted to do it. And the council hadn't made it so hard. And we're in the environment called with them to make sure that we get the right infrastructure charges because they're trying to overcharge us and, you know, we'll beat them. But we shouldn't have to do that, you know, like, but council are our impediment. But mainly because they don't understand what, they're, what we're doing. They haven't really seen it before in their area. And because we're private, we're not a community environment. We're not the government. We're not a not-for-profit. They don't believe that we're actually genuinely wanting to do something of value for the community. So that, I, I think that's pretty much what is driving their process. However, we we had a code accessible site. So just for your listeners and readers, code accessible means that you have a right to build a certain product on that site and it actually can't stop you. So they might they might delay you, which is what they did to us by about six months, make it harder. It cost you more money because you have to go and keep redesigning things till you satisfy them then. And it's all it's all code accessible, which means in the end you've got to get the approval. That's we only buy code accessible sites. That's actually really important. Okay. Uh, so, you know, so yes, the council didn't get it. But I had a meeting yesterday with a quite an influential group called Q Shelter. Right now, these people act as they're an NGO, okay, so not non government organization, but they're acting as a conduit between private enterprise like ourselves, community housing providers, and the government, state, federal, and local. Oh, and, and that's really, really exciting because I mean, I'm excited just talking about it. There's a meeting ahead. I was telling. This fellow who's the strategic advisor and you know uh, government um, government policy guy, and and I was telling him what we're doing in terms of mixing our products, not just rooming accommodation, but we're doing you know SDA and we're doing short stay accommodation. We'll be doing respite care as well, and just some ordinary apartments too, actually, so we can mix it up. Those are the ones that you're doing in Toowoomba. We do a whole range of things. So every project's different, but the one in Timor, for example, we've got. Yeah actually two sites there and we're just buying a third so we're actually going to develop like a precinct so when you come into our premises you've got an option of three or four different models that you can move into yeah and, and when i was telling him this he was like wow and so thanks to that he got me along to the mayor gold coast mayor's um forum this month and and the invites have already gone out to just some seriously big players we're quite small so he put us forward and said you've got to be at this um, conference right we need to hear what you've got to say so you know, because I haven't really been out communicating widely about this, but I will be going forward. And so, you know, I'm excited because uh, I get to be at the coalface with the mayor and the C- CEO of the Gold Coast Council and other major developers, companies like Homecourt, for example, who I know very well. Um, <laughs> but but also, you know, some politics, some really big players, then least some really big corporate names, and little of us are going along and, and we'll have our say. And I think we can add some real value and get people thinking about how to do these things. And, that, and that's what he picked up. He said, what you're saying, everyone's got to hear this because the model that we've got is financially rewarding as well as community beneficial and it doesn't create slums. That, that's the really big point here as well because, you know, back in the day, people would be used to social housing high rises, you know, thousands of people in social housing and it yeah. just turns into a problem, right? Yeah. We've got yeah. a very yeah. yeah, Yeah, I, I'm so careful about that. I mean, I deal with even planners, people that are thinking about this all the time. And I was like that back in New Zealand. So you and I were talking about it earlier and how could how could our community get involved? How could our, our community benefit from what you're doing? Because, I mean, by the sounds of things, you've got the finance, you've got everything going. 
how could our community benefit from it? There's different types of finance. So, I mean, we've got a number of projects. We've only got a limited amount of resources financially. We're always looking to uh, bring investors to the team and we're growing that community as part of our growth. So as we grow, we need more builders, we need more land, we need more bankers, we need more investors. You know, it just keeps doing that. And and we want to build a billion-dollar portfolio of opportunity over the next 10 years. So we're not saying tomorrow, but, but that requires everybody to participate. So everybody can. If you've got advice, if you've got some capital you want to invest or whatever, there's opportunity everywhere, and we're offering you know pretty good returns for, for that and, and participation rights. So money is only one component, but it's also a key component. And like I said before, we're just finalizing a joint venture agreement with a major organization that come from the Stockland ground. These guys are, you know, corporate warriors and they're very, very, very competent, you know, doing thousands of lots of land for, for Stocklands and what have you. They're not part of Stockland, so you can't use that name, but but that's their training. And we've now we've now secured them as a foundational investor. They're putting money in as well, which is really important because that's the smartest money you're going to get. These guys are developers. Hardcore yep. developers, they're putting their cash in and their development expertise overlaid into our development expertise and our specialty in this space. They really love the space. They're coming out of New South Wales, out of Sydney. They really want to be in it. They can see that we've got opportunities for them and they can make good money and returns on their capital. Plus, they can add value through their networks, their banking networks, as well as their, their you know capability in terms of the uh, execution of building these things, legal expertise, a whole lot of stuff. So that's a really big vote of confidence, and that's why I'm really excited today because I haven't announced it publicly the car we're under a, we're under a confidentiality agreement until we get it all together. But it's big news for our company because we've we've got 450 rooms on the on the books worth of work. Wow, there's a lot. You know, we've come from nothing five, uh, three four years ago to that little Logan Home project, and we've gone out and bought another three four five sites, and and we're starting to really build it. And now, just at the right time, we've got this serious party coming on board. JV5050 with us. So from their side, they've got the capital, they've got their expertise, we've got our expertise and some capital. We need to bring more in for our side of it to, to meet their capacity. Okay, so this is where you'd be bringing in uh, private capital. So if we've got some investors that uh, would like to join you on these ventures, they could put their hand up and basically throw a little bit of capital at it, throw a little bit of... Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Look, talk about investment now, right? So yeah. there's a whole bunch of opportunities for investors today. You put money in the bank and get two or three, four percent, whatever. No, you might. If you're lucky, the rates have just gone up today, so you might get four point two five if you're lucky, because the rates. Well, well, not- I don't think you will, because if the rates are four point three five, um, then uh, you know the the wholesale rate, the reserve bank rate. I, I don't think banks are going to give that to a depositor. No, they're not. It'll be less. Yeah. There's got to be a margin for the banks, you know. But anyway, look, I mean, the reality is everyone's looking for a home. We all need to get a better return for our money as best as we can. It's a risk-weighted return. And so our investors are generally getting 20% plus, target 20%. That's basically coming in as like a preferential shareholder. So you get a return on your, your um, equity coming in and you get some rights for that. And then, yeah, you participate in, basically, it's like being an armchair developer. You, you can't get the cash and you're being part of the project, but you're not having to do the grind and all the work that we have to make happen. Simon, you know, 20%, anybody that's offering 20% at the moment, that is that is a phenomenal percentage, and that's 20% per annum, is it? For example, equity would be 20% per annum. Yep. 
we'll put them together a debt portfolio as well, and that'll be somewhere between 12 and 15% secured. Okay. Um, at the moment, we've got existing bankers, and it's probably going to be better if we take some of those bankers out. When we buy a block of land, we go and borrow some money against the purchase price. We put some equity in. We're looking at bringing some debt as well and not using the banks, running it ourselves. But that's we're not there yet. At the moment, it's really just equity. Okay. We were looking at, at rates earlier and stages of investment. And I mean, there's various places that you can put your money in and there's hundreds of places you can put your money in and earn a bit of money on it. And we were talking about the bank, which is probably, I don't know, lower than, lower than 3%. Or you're purchasing your own property and I mean, this is really a little bit of a sting at the moment because anybody who hasn't got a chunk of equity is really going to be battling to buy their own commercial property because the cap rates are still fairly tight and you just the yields are just as tight. And now, you know, if you're using equity out of your own home or somewhere else, it's, it's uh, going to be a bit of a sting. It is. And, you know, we, we've got a couple of industrial projects actually with the same guys. That's how I met them. They joined us on an industrial project in Northern Brisbane. A man cave sort of project, right? Yep. You know, there's big demand for that. And I love it. It's just, I like doing that. It's fun. You know, I like to do a bit of that. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is fun because you can get quite creative with them and we are. And we've got some great ideas to, to grow that business as well. But I think you're going to find yields. Industrial is still, still the most popular and the yields are going to remain tight, and especially in growth areas like our Burpengary area, you know, like that North Brisbane area. It's a high growth area, Morton Bay. So I don't think you're going to get a softening in the yields, if anything. There is a little bit, but not a lot. And there's just no stock around. The other problem is people can't build anything. Well, I know because we're out there. They generally can't build anything at the rates they need to build it at because the market values need to go up even more. You know, So if you can get in, it's probably a good thing to do. But as you just said, and you're right, it gets harder to get in because your serviceability is a problem. Well, it is. And, you know, just looking at what's happening in the market at the moment, and as you say, stock, I mean, getting more and more difficult to get decent stock. I mean, there's stock out there, but decent stock. So, you know, for our investors, I think this is a great opportunity, you know, if, if people have got equity and they they want to turn that around and get a good up to 20% return, it's it's not a bad place. I'm actually just looking at at a chart of, you know, uh, percentages of yields or return on investments or what you can earn in percentages. Now, if you own your own property, maybe 6 to 10%. If you're flipping deals, you can maybe get between 9 to 15%. That's going to be medium, high risk. On your cash, on your cash, yeah. On your cash, and that's going to be full-time work. That means that you need to be on that project and you need to be doing it full-time. I've done all that. I've done all that. I've, I've done all of that. I've done literally probably a couple of hundred of those things over the years. Back when I first started. Yep. Cutting up land and cutting up houses with blocks on the big done all of it. And it is over and it's full site. It's you, full on. I mean, as a part-time thing, yeah, you can do it, but man, it's hard work. And I think a lot of people, you know, I mean, a lot of people come into the real estate in- industry and everybody's talking about flips and, and deals. And like you, Simon, I've done I've done heaps of those years ago. The difference is I don't sell them. I, I hang on to them or I used to hang on to them and I, you know, I made good cash flow out of them and then went into, into commercial and did the same thing. But they're getting harder and harder to find, harder and harder to do, and more and more expensive. Actually, just talking about that, Mish, too, and, and I agree with you. Like in my career being a developer, and now I'm more advisor than a developer, but you know, the people that made their real money were the investors. I, I made a bit of profit on the project, but man, if I'd kept just one unit or two units out of everything I did, but I was just so centered and focused on delivering product, delivering product. 
but keeping it is where the real money is. You know, that's where the real opportunity is. Yeah. Well, I can second that because that's exactly what I did. You know, I used yeah, well, to put- but, but, yeah, but the bill to rent thing. So, for example, what we really want to do longer term is to be able to hold on to stuff, not be selling it, you know. So we've, yeah. we've got to sell a bit of it, but we don't really want to be selling it. Yeah. I would agree with you. And I think if investors are getting involved and, you know, joining you on that path, happy days, you know, really. Just, Just- talking about that. So my, most of the teams that we bring money in is anywhere between sort of two and five years, depending on the project. Yeah. Uh, most people sort of want to have a around about a five year window. It depends on how you're investing. Like we get a lot of self management fund people as well. And that's appropriate for longer term old investment type stock. And look, there is a lot of growth in and we've seen it, say in the one on Logan owned, you know, when we started preparing, we had a valuation done. The valuation a year and a half ago was fourteen million, right? On the end product, the whole project. Yeah. Uh, and now, literally 18 months later, the valuation is $16.8 million. Wow. Jeez. I, I honestly said we're blown away. Now, construction prices have gone up, but they haven't gone up anywhere near as much as the valuation. virtually gone up double of the cost of building it. Now, we, we didn't anticipate that. We didn't expect it. But rents have just gone up so much. And, and wages, there's been a bit of wage growth, but we're still going to keep it affordable. But it just gives us a lot more latitude. And so I think at the end of the day, uh, the property product type is a semi-commercial residential. So valuers see it as a commercial asset. So when, when, you, when your people, because I know you do a lot of commercial, are thinking yeah. of rents and cap rates, well, that's actually how the product's valued. Whereas if you buy a house, they don't value it on a cap rate. They value it on you know what's sold down the street. Of course. They- our product is all about cap rates. So it's actually very commercial. I was just about to say, I mean, the fact that it is it is residential property, but the fact that it's it's valued on cap rate makes it commercial. And it's probably, what's that? There's an American term for it that they use, mixed families. Yeah, uh, a fam- family, yeah. Well, it's basically that. Yeah. yeah, mixed families accommodation where you have a couple of families. It's, yeah, the tradition. It's a, huge asset class. It's a big asset class in uh, Europe. In England, I was actually just reading something about how Europe's having a major problem with rent as well. So it's actually a a global problem uh, in the Western world, yeah. The the same sort of thing, a shortage of housing. Actually, Simon, you know, if you have a look around it, and this is what I keep looking at, in real estate, you can never go wrong because people are being born all the time. And it's not like we've ever seen our population diminish. You know, our population has gone from 4 billion to 6 billion to now 8 billion worldwide. So this is a thing that's that's happening worldwide. I reckon your next step is you're going to be doing this overseas as well. <laughs> I'd like, I know, honestly, I think we can. But I think there is a growing demand. There's a lessening of the supply. So right now, construction prices are high. Land yeah. is to get out of the ground as well. So civil works, I have all these colleagues and I know the cost of everything. Not everything, but I mean, I've got a good understanding. Talk to these people every day of the week. Councils are getting more and more difficult to get approvals, and we have experienced, and we do experience that. So now that what that means, you doesn't mean you won't get an approval, but it means you've got to spend more money and take more time, and that basically costs more money. So it's it's not easy to get things done, and and the barrier to entry is is higher. So in the world we live in, it's it's you know it's quite painful getting an approval when you've got one. You go, yeah, you know, got another one. Well, that took a whole year. It could have taken three months. You know. Oh yeah, well done. You know, the irony is that that government is shouting out that they need more accommodation, but the message from government to council just doesn't, there seems to be a, a broken link because 
this is a conundrum, Mish. So the reality is they say one thing, but they have their mechanisms and the way they operate do the opposite, right? They can drain land supply. There's yeah. also this massive conversation, which I'm very much a part of on LinkedIn, and, and, I'm, and I'm definitely communicating with all sorts of people. This missing middle, they call it, or this densification of the um, existing suburban areas. You know, can't just keep building out greenfields. You know, the major problem of that is transportation. You have to build more roads, wider highways. It's costly. You can't afford to put public transport on that's decent enough for people not to have a car and go to work on a train or, a, or you know, a bus or whatever. Yeah. So, so just going out wide, they're finally waking up to why are we doing this? What about densifying some of the closest suburbs, which is now it's going to happen. And in New Zealand, and I, I follow a few people over there, there's been a place called Upper Hut. It's in the bottom of the North Island. And the council there have allowed a whole lot of latitude in terms of being able to develop and bang. All of a sudden, they got volume stock and developers jumped in because they changed the car parking ratio. Just one thing like that. Wow. Car parking is your biggest limitation on a project. Well, your project that you're busy doing is accommodated as far as that's concerned because yeah. you've got electric shared vehicles and, and scooters and bicycles and all of that, haven't you? What we've done is we've reduced, we've taken the minimum car parking into account so we've been able to build more density on the site. In other yeah. words, our land content is negligible compared to the amount of units we've got. Yeah. Car parking's at a lower proportion, which generally wouldn't be the case. And we're saying, well, what do we need to do to make sure that people don't need a car? Because, I mean, a car probably costs you five grand a year, don't it? Registration, tires, fuel, you know, depreciation. What would you, you know, we maintenance? Be I mean, cool. it goes on. So you probably spend five. Most expensive real estate with four tires on it. Exactly. And then the place to park it. So eliminate some of that, not all of it, but eliminate some of it. So what do you do to, to compensate that? Will you be close to infrastructure, close to shopping center, close to public transport, you know, which is what we are. And then on top of that, you've got possibilities like electric vehicles. We can provide some electric vehicles in the project that people can have so much, so much time a week to utilize as part of their rental. You know, but just thinking a little bit broadly and a bit, a bit, little bit laterally, we're not reinventing the wheel. It's already all out there. You can already, already get this stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, Simon, they say that, I mean, it's one of your second most expensive asset that is least most used. Yeah. It's probably the biggest waste of money you could think of, actually. <laughs> Let's a Ferrari or a Lamb Lamborghini. I know a few blokes with those, and they're a big waste of money. They'd <laughs> be driving around in one of those things. I'd far rather be putting my money into real estate. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, you're you're smart. I've seen your little scooter. You know, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's good when you're in the city. You know, get through traffic. I've got a motorbike as well, as well as yeah. and a van. I've got a van too. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate. My passion is two wheels. It's either bicycles or, or yeah. cycles. I think you like the risk factor of being on a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> like each bike would potentially be run down by a truck. Oh, no, 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 no. No, thanks. <laughs> We're going down another rabbit hole as we do, you and I. <laughs> yeah, we got him. Okay, so thinking about the project now, we're going to be talking about a project very fairly soon. We're going to be taking a couple of projects out to the community, aren't we? Yeah, we've got two or three coming up, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's one project in particular that we've been talking about. I'm super excited about it. I think it's an amazing project and we're going it's to be... Learn theme, yeah. yeah, so that's that's the one in Timor. We're going to be launching, well, you've already done the launch on that, but just to take it out to our community, we'll probably be hosting a webinar information session. And guys, if you're interested, if you're watching this, just keep your ear to the ground 
because we're going to have my good friend Simon telling us all about it and picking it away so that and he'll be sharing the details of how you can benefit from these projects that Simon's busy doing with his amazing team. And I really mean that. I mean, your, your team really is quite dynamic and amazing. And the networks that, that you've built, Simon, are mind-blowing. I, it's, it's so important to have a trusted group of people around you that you you know you've done thing, things with over many years, and that's and these these new parties you know that have come in as a major partner we haven't, but we are in another deal I can set up in that industrial thing, and I've seen the colour of them over the last twelve months, and I'm very happy with um, how they've operated. They've improved on what we already bring, and that's what you want to see. You want to see smart money come in, and that's what they've got with the expertise behind it, because it's not just the money we wanted that. We wouldn't have just put anyone into that position. It needed to be somebody with the smart money and the business intelligence and commercial real estate smarts with it. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I may not be jumping up and down here while I'm talking to you, but but inside I'm feeling like, thank goodness, we've actually just landed the right party to be our partners ongoing. And they want to be part of it, which is terrific. Well, I must say, I'm I'm jumping up and down about this. And yeah, I'm showing it because I'm super excited about the work that you're doing the space that you're doing it in, I mean, co-habitat, co-living, kind of bridging a gap. There's a lot of, uh, particularly women, divorced women, age 45, 50. I mean, it's one of the biggest pain spots. And Just that alone, if you don't mind me interrupting, that, that is a really exciting market to help out. Like, I've seen it. Like, I've got a van, right? I park up down the beach or whatever and have a few hours there and wake up for a swim or do a bit of exercise. Every time I'm there, I see somebody. I always go over to their vans and often they're women. And I asked them about what they're doing and their story. And so many of them, like the first lady I met when I did that was a nurse working at the Tweed Hospital. She'd been living in a little van for two years. That cohort is well underserved. There's like, I heard a statistic quite a while ago when I first thought about getting into this space. And and that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to get in was there's something like 5,000 women living in caravan parks. You know, like how safe and secure is that long term? It's okay, short term. You know, you can live in a van for a short term period, but do you really want to be living and retiring in Japan long-term? And most people would say no. Not know, at that age, really. Not at we, that age. We can, we can help these people. Like, like well, I, I'm excited about bringing all the years and years and years of the work that I've done on the innovation that we brought. We've always been innovative. You know, I bought the first airspace over the council car park and all, and all that stuff. I love being innovative. Now we're getting into the innovative technology of how to build things faster and better and not cheaper. Because it's not actually any cheaper, but quicker, and that does save cost of um, finance. Yes. Right, that means we can del- deliver more quicker. And those people that we're talking about, they're a big area that we can really help. I well, just wait. I feel very emotionally actually even talking about it because I've yeah. seen so many people suffering, and I, I think we can, we can really help those people. Yeah, I love the stuff you're doing because I think, and that's it. You know, you really are solving a problem, and you're working damn hard to solve that problem. And it is, like I said, it's a pain point, you know. So if you can work on, on that pain point, and I'm super excited to be working with you in this area of solving that problem because, you know, it is it is a reality. And as you get emotional about it, I'm, I'm super passionate about, you know, just helping out there. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate and excited that you want to help us out. I mean, it's, and, and that's what I say to people, you know, if you've got some money and you want to make a good return, Yep. And you believe in the space and, and, and you think we can help in the space and you want to be part of that journey, join us because we can't do it on our own. 
we know we can't, we won't. And I'm just gathering an army of people to help us deliver. I honestly think we can make a, a dent in the, in the need in this whole country, not just Queensland, but we're starting here. And I fully intend to do it. If it takes the rest of my life, I'm happy to put the rest of my life into it, actually. You know, the journey that I've been through in the last few years and it's been substantial in terms of my own family situation. Mm. Yeah. So I definitely see this space as a powerful area that we can make a difference. And I mean, that's why I'm going to the, as soon as that fellow said to me, you know, from Q Shelter, Shivers, you need to go to the, to the Gold Coast Council thing. And I was like, yep, if you can get me in. And look, and just because he could see how serious we are, he made a real effort because it was all the inbox gone out. I'm, they don't know me. Yep. And I said, I straight away, I got, I got the invitation. I'm like, yes. Like, I, I said, I've got every single one of those things to see if I can help just drive the momentum to help these people. Yeah. Well, I think if anybody's getting in at grassroots at this level, they'd be doing themselves a favor because I can see this is just going to grow. This is just going to, I mean, it's super exciting, super, super exciting. And the returns that you're offering are unbelievable because, I mean, you know, even as a developer, you know, if you're doing your own development, you'd be lucky to get 20 to 25% right now. You know, you're I'm sort of getting a lot less than that, yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> if they're lucky. <laughs> I mean, some of them are skidding through at 12, 15%. And you're basically offering development returns for doing nothing, for just putting equity in. Yeah. So, and I must say that our profit margin in our projects are exceptional, by the way. Yeah. Most of them actually believe it. And it's because of how innovative we've been and how we've designed the product. So I, I won't say too much. Yeah, we, we can talk about that another time. But, yeah. but you know, we've thought about it on every step of the way and how do we provide exceptional development margins. And in a tough environment, when construction has gone up like, you know, 40 50% in the last 18 months. Well, it's incredible that you are still able to do that. And as you say, it's because of your ingenuity and it's because of your team, largely because of your team. So, you know, for anybody who's who's doing a development right now, if you're not doing it in a team with a really good, solid background like you are i think they're going to be battling i'd hate to be doing that alone a lot, of, a lot of them aren't making it a lot of developers aren't getting their product over the line they can't afford to build it i was just talking to a, a large player that have done towers and yeah. those it's not stacking up they can't make them work whereas i've got i've got ways already that we can probably reduce the cost of a tower by 20 to 30 percent well, that's going to be for another chat, Simon. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing that, by the way. We're doing no more than about five levels is the maximum. Three to five levels is what we're doing. Uh, uh, and that's neat. I've done that sort of product before. I've built that yeah. 25 years ago. You know, so. We'll have a chat about that on our next chit chat. We're going to be doing a lot of this. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm super excited to be working with you, and I'm super excited to be offering these opportunities to my community. So, guys, if you're interested, we're going to be sending out some invites. Make sure that you... Catch those invites and Simon and I are going to be talking about lots more in the space. So if you want to get involved, helping the community out for a good cause and making good returns, here's the opportunity. Sounds like heaven, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So I want to thank you for joining me on this chat. And we're going to be doing a lot more of these. So guys, stay tuned and you'll be hearing a lot more from Simon. Thanks, Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Revolve Commercial Property Podcast. Don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial. 
where we share weekly updates on positive cash flow commercial properties currently on the market and how to acquire them. So go to Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial or www.revolvecommercial.com.au.